this is a special Whisperpedia episode focused solely on a reading about lucid dreaming. I don't really know that much about lucid dreaming. My simple or basic understanding, if even correct, is that it refers to being aware and in control when you are dreaming, which seems pretty cool and very fascinating to me. So I, I guess I, I thought I would read about it share it with you. So, here is what you will hear about and learn about until you fall asleep, that is, uh, as I read from the Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know why I stumbled on that word. From the Wikipedia article. Oh, probably because I call this Whisperpedia. And maybe my brain started jumbling the two words up. I don't know. As I read from the Wikipedia article titled Lucid Dream. I'll read to you about several definitions for lucid dreaming. The scientific support for lucid dreaming. Clinical applications of lucid dreaming, and if there's time, I may also get to the history of lucid dreaming. All right, let's get to it. A lucid dream is a dream during which the dreamer is aware of dreaming. During lucid dreaming, the dreamer may be able to exert some degree of control over the dream characters, narrative, and environment 
lucid dream was coined by Dutch author and psychiatrist Frederick Van Eaton in his 1913 article, A Study of Dreams. Though descriptions of dreamers being aware that they are dreaming predates the term. All right, here are some more definitions and conditions for the definition of a lucid dream. German onurologist and gestalt theorist laid the epistemological basis for the research of lucid dreams, proposing seven different conditions of clarity that a dream must fulfill in order to be defined as a lucid dream. Number one, awareness of the dream state. Number two, awareness of the capacity to make decisions. Number three, awareness of memory functions. Number four, awareness of self. Number five, Awareness of the dream environment. Number six. Awareness of the meaning of the dream. And number seven. Awareness of concentration and focus. Later, in 1992, a study by Deidre Barrett examined whether lucid dreams contained four corollaries of lucidity. Number one, the dreamer is aware that they are dreaming. Number two, objects disappear after waking. 
number three, physical laws need not apply in the dream. And number four, the dreamer has a clear memory of the waking world. Barrett found less than a quarter of lucidity accounts exhibited all four. Subsequently, Stephen LaBerge, a psychophysiologist of Stanford University, studied the prevalence of being able to control the dream scenario among lucid dreams. He found that while dream control and dream awareness are correlated, neither requires the other. LaBerge found dreams that exhibit one clearly without the capacity for the other. Also, in some dreams, where the dreamer is lucid and aware, they could exercise control. They choose simply to observe. The next section is about scientific research done on lucid dreaming. In 1968, Celia Green analyzed the main characteristics of such dreams, reviewing previously published literature on the subject and incorporating new data from participants of her own. She concluded that lucid dreams were a category of experience quite distinct from ordinary dreams and predicted that they would turn out to be associated with rapid eye movement sleep. Green was also the first to link lucid dreams to the phenomenon of false awakenings. Lucid dreaming was subsequently researched by asking dreamers to perform predetermined physical responses while experiencing a dream, including eye movement signals. The first 
first experiment of this type was conducted in the late 1970s by British parapsychologist Keith Hearn. A volunteer named Alan Worsley used eye movements to signal the onset of lucidity, which were recorded by a polysomnograph machine. The first peer-reviewed article on the subject was published by Stephen LaBerge at Stanford University developed such techniques as part of his doctoral dissertation. In 1985, LaBerge performed a pilot study that showed that time perception while counting during a lucid dream is about the same as during waking life. Lucid dreamers counted out 10 seconds while dreaming, signaling the start and the end of the count with a prearranged eye signal measured with electro-oculogram recording. LaBerge's results were confirmed by German researchers D. Erlacher and M. Schrettel in 2004. In a further study, by Stephen LaBerge. Four subjects were compared, either singing while dreaming or counting while dreaming. LaBerge found that the right hemisphere was more active during singing and the left hemisphere was more active during counting. Neuroscientist J. Allen Hobson has hypothesized what might be occurring in the brain while lucid. first step to lucid dreaming is recognizing one is dreaming. This recognition might occur in the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. This area is one of the few areas 
activated during REM sleep and where working memory occurs. Once this area is activated and the recognition of dreaming occurs, the dreamer must be cautious to let the dream continue, but be conscious enough to remember that it is a dream. While maintaining this balance, the amygdala and parahippocampal cortex might be less intensely activated. To continue the intensity of the dream hallucinations, it is expected the bonds and the parieto-occipital junction stay active. Using electroencephalography and other polysomnographical measurements, Laberge and others have shown that lucid dreams begin in the rapid eye movement stage of sleep. Laberge also proposes that there are higher amounts of beta-1 frequency band brain wave activity experienced by lucid dreamers. Hence, there is an increased amount of activity in the parietal lobes, making lucid dreaming a conscious process. Some skeptics of lucid dreaming suggest that it is not a state of sleep, but of brief wakefulness or micro-awakening. Experiments by Stephen LaBerge used perception of the outside world as a criterion for wakefulness while studying lucid dreamers, and their sleep state was corroborated with physiological measurements. Philosopher Norman Malcolm has argued against the possibility of checking the accuracy of dream reports, pointing out that the only criterion of the truth of a statement that someone has had a certain dream is, essentially, his saying so. The next section is about clinical and 
applications of lucid dreaming. It has been suggested that sufferers of nightmares could benefit from the ability to be aware they are indeed dreaming. A pilot study was performed in 2006 that showed that lucid dreaming therapy treatment was successful in reducing nightmare frequency. This treatment consisted of exposure to the idea mastery of the technique and lucidity exercises. It was not clear what aspects of the treatment were responsible for the success of overcoming nightmares, though the treatment as a whole, was said successful. Australian psychologist Milan Kolick has explored the application of principles from narrative therapy to clients' lucid dreams. He did this to reduce the impact not only of nightmares during sleep, but also depression, self-mutilation, and other problems in waking life. Colic found that therapeutic conversations could reduce the distressing content of dreams while understandings about life and even characters from lucid dreams could be applied to their lives with marked therapeutic benefits. Psychotherapists have applied lucid dreaming as an application for therapy. Studies have shown that by inducing a lucid dream, recurrent nightmares can be alleviated. It is unclear whether this alleviation is due to lucidity or the ability to alter the dream itself. A study performed by Victor Spormaker and Vanden Bout evaluated the validity of lucid dreaming treatment 
nightmare sufferers. Lucid dreaming treatment is composed of exposure, mastery, and lucidity exercises. Results of lucid dreaming treatment reveal that the nightmare frequency of the treatment groups had decreased. In another study, Spore Maker, Vandenbout, and Meyer investigated lucid dreaming treatment for nightmares by testing eight subjects who received a one-hour individual session, which consisted of lucid dreaming exercises. The results of the study revealed that the nightmare frequency had decreased and the sleep quality had slightly increased. Olsinger, Klosch, and Salatu managed a psychotherapy study under the working name of Cognition During Dreaming, a therapeutic intervention in nightmares. The study included 40 subjects, men and women, 18 to 50 years old, whose life quality was significantly altered by nightmares. The test subjects were administered Gestalt group therapy, and 24 of them were also taught to enter the state of lucid dreaming by Holsinger. This was purposely taught in order to change the course of their nightmares. The subjects then reported the diminishment of their nightmare prevalence from two to three times a week to two to three times per month. The Committee of Sleep. Deidre Barrett describes how some experienced lucid dreamers have learned to remember specific practical goals, such as artists looking for inspiration, seeking a show of their own work. Once they become lucid, or computer programmers looking for a screen with their desired code. However, most of these dreamers 
had many experiences of failing to recall waking objectives before gaining this level of control. The next section is about the history of lucid dreaming, and it goes back to around 2,000 years ago. Early references to the phenomenon are found in ancient Greek writings. For example, the philosopher Aristotle wrote, Often, when one is asleep, there is something in consciousness which declares that what then presents itself is but a dream. Meanwhile, the physician Galen of Bergamon used lucid dreams as a form of therapy. In addition, a letter written by Saint Augustine of Hippo in 415 A.D. tells the story of a dreamer. Dr. Genadius and refers to lucid dreaming. In Eastern thought, cultivating the dreamer's ability to be aware that he or she is dreaming is central to both the Tibetan Buddhist practice of dream yoga and the ancient Indian Hindu practice of yoga nidra. The cultivation of such awareness was common practice among early Buddhists. Philosopher and physician Sir Thomas Brown, born in 1605, was fascinated by dreams and described his own ability to lucid dream in his Religio Medici, stating, Yet in one dream I can compose a whole comedy. Behold the action, apprehend the jests, and laugh myself awake at the conceits thereof. Also, Samuel Pepys, in his diary entry for August 15, 1665, records a dream stating, I had my lady Castlemaine in my arms, and was admitted to use all the dalliance I desired with her, and then dreamt that this could not be awake, but that it was 
only a dream. In 1867, the French sinologist Marie-Jean Leon, Marquis de Hervey de Saint anonymously published Les Reeves et les Moyens de les Derechères Observations Pratiques, which translates into Dreams and the Way to Direct Them, Practical Observations. In this publication, he describes his own experiences of lucid dreaming and proposes that it is possible for anyone to learn to dream consciously. In 1913, Dutch psychiatrist and writer Frederick Willem van Eden coined the term lucid dream in an article entitled A Study of Dreams. Some have suggested that the term is a misnomer because Van Eden was referring to a phenomenon more specific than a vivid or lucid dream. Van Eden intended the term lucid to denote having insight, as in the phrase, a lucid interval, applied to someone in a temporary remission from a psychosis, rather than as a reference to the perceptual quality of the experience may or may not be clear and vivid. There was a statement in the article about lucid dreams being linked to the phenomenon of false awakenings. And I'm not sure what false awakenings are. So I'm going to go to that Wikipedia article to read a little more about false awakenings. A false awakening is a vivid and convincing dream about awakening from sleep, while the dreamer in reality continues to sleep. After a false awakening, subjects often dream they are performing daily morning rituals, such as cooking, cleaning, and eating. False awakenings, namely those in which one dreams, 
that one has awoken from sleep that featured dreams take on aspects of a double dream or a dream within a dream. A classy example is the double false awakening of the protagonist in Kroll's portrait. A false awakening may occur following a dream or following a lucid dream. Particularly if the false awakening follows a lucid dream, the false awakening may turn into a pre-lucid dream, that is, one in which the dreamer may start to wonder if they are really awake and may or may not come to the correct conclusion. In a study by Harvard psychologist Deidre Barrett, 2,000 dreams from 200 subjects were examined, and it was found that false awakenings and lucidity were significantly more likely to occur within the same dream or within different dreams of the same night. False awakenings often preceded lucidity as a cue, but they could also follow the realization of lucidity often losing it in the process. Another type of false awakening is a continuum. In a continuum, the subject falls asleep in real life, but in the dream following, the brain simulates the subject as though they were still awake. In other words, the subject thinks he or she is still awake, but in reality is asleep. At times, the individual can perform actions unknowingly. The movie a Nightmare on Elm Street popularized this phenomenon. This phenomenon can be related to that of sleepwalking or carrying out actions in a state of unconsciousness. Certain aspects of life may be dramatized or out of place in false awakenings. Things may seem wrong. Details, like the painting on a wall, not being able to talk, or difficulty reading, purportedly 
operating in lucid dreams is often difficult or impossible, or oddly, normal types of foods gone missing. In some experiences, the subject's senses are heightened or changed. Because the mind still dreams after a false awakening, there may be more than one false awakening in a single dream. Subjects may dream they wake up, eat breakfast, brush their teeth, and so on, suddenly awake again in bed still in a dream, begin morning rituals again, awaken again, and so forth. The philosopher Bertrand Russell claimed to have experienced about a hundred false awakenings in succession, all coming around from a general anesthetic. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, deeply asleep. Good night. Sleep well.